Crossroad International Church podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. to 1 John chapter 3, and today we're going to start at verse 10 and go through verse 24. 1 John 3, 10 through 24. In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Now do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life, Because we love the brethren. Who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Verse 16. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees a brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knows all things." Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, as He gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. Father, we come to you once again today, and we thank you for your word. Because, Father, your word is alive, and your word is powerful. Your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. And, Father, your word divides between our thoughts and the intents of our heart. And it divides between the soul and the spirit. Father, we ask today that as we study your word from 1 John chapter 3, that you would open the eyes of our understanding, you would enlighten our hearts, open our ears that we may hear your spirit. And Father, we thank you that we would be transformed and changed today as an encounter with your word. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody got anything special you have to do today? Because as I was preparing this, go for a nap? Okay. I had 16 pages of notes. And I realized that's not going to work. So I pared it down to nine, and this morning I got it down to six. So I'm going to try to preach about three or four today. But I, I promise we'll get out of here on time. Amen. John chapter 3, verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. The child of God, the child of the devil are identified. Very straightforward. If you don't practice righteousness, you're not of God, you're of the devil. If you don't love your brothers, you're not of God, you're of the devil. Amen. Don't look at me that way. It's Bible, okay? I didn't say it. God did, okay? <laughs> it's very, you know, the flip of that is if we do righteousness, we're of God. And if we love the brethren, we're of God. So we need to look today at God's children love one another. Do we truly Love one another, and do we do what is right? Verse 11, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So John is reminding these believers that they have heard this. This isn't a new message that he's given it. It's the message that has been preached from the beginning. It was preached by Jesus. It was followed up by the apostles that we should love one another. See, real love begins at conversion. We're not really able to love the way God talks about loving until we know Jesus as our Savior. According to the Bible, only a Christian can show genuine love, and it is impossible for a non-Christian to show this genuine God kind of love. We call it agape love. It's that self-sacrificing love. We all have the phileo, which is brotherly love, um, family love, that type of thing, to where that's just general friendship. But the God kind of love is an actual love that will sacrifice self for the one that we are loving. And that only can take place once we are born again. Verse 12 says, Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. There's a lot of stuff in these verses to try to unpack in John. You know, Cain says very clearly that he was of the wicked one. Cain's hatred for Abel was so great that it led him to murder. 
Listen to John chapter 8, verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, Cain was responsible for his actions. He had allowed the enemy to control him and to use him for evil things, but Cain was responsible for his actions. We as Christians a lot of times blame things on Satan that is not his fault. Oh, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You did it. Turn to your neighbor and say, no, you did it. Oh, the devil made me unplug that beeper in my car that goes off at 120. <laughs> no, he didn't. You did it. Okay. So we are responsible for our actions. See, the motivation behind Cain's murder was jealousy for his brother. It all boiled down to Cain's offering was not accepted. Abel's offering was. And that jealousy led to murder. Jealousy moved to hatred. Hatred ultimately moved to murder. John cites Cain as an illustration of the absence of love. And this absence of love marks the children of Satan. You and I as believers are to love one another. Verse 13. John keeps going back to this idea. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. I think this is the third or fourth time in John that he has said, Hey, guys, it's not a big deal that the world hates you. They hated Jesus. And if they hated Jesus, they're going to hate you too. They take it out on you more than they take it out because they can't see Jesus, but they can see you. You're in the office with them every day. And so their anger, the things that you convict them of, your lifestyle for God convicts them of their lifestyle of sin. And because of that convicting power of the Holy Spirit, the only thing they can do is lash out at you. So, don't marvel. Don't be surprised. Expect it. A great promise for you. How many of you like the promises of God? In this world, you will... Not may, you will suffer persecution. Now, isn't that an exciting promise? But don't worry, he has overcome the world. John 15, 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first, Jesus. Now, it's interesting in this verse 
This is the first place and the only place in all of 1 John that he doesn't call them little children. He calls them brothers. He said, do not marvel my brothers. So John is equating himself, unifying himself with these believers going, as a believer, I understand and I know what it is to be hated by the world. So, don't marvel, my brothers and sisters, when the world hates you because it hated Jesus first. I had a man one time took that statement and he said it a little different. Marvel, my brothers, when the world does not hate you. Because maybe you're too much like them. Amen? Verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. He who does not love his brother abides in death. John employs this term, we have passed from death to life. It means that it is a permanent movement from one spiritual fear, we have permanently been moved from death, darkness, to life, and the light. You're not partly in death and partly in life. You're not partly in the dark and partly in the light. No, he says we have passed from death to life. It is a permanent shift from one spiritual realm to another. It's an abiding reality of life right now that we can experience. We should experience life. We should experience the light of God, the joy of the Spirit of God now since we have become believers in Jesus Christ. It's going to be wonderful in heaven. Going to love it. But what about now? What's the old saying? To abide above with the saints we love, oh, it's going to be glory. But to live right now with the folks I know, that's a different story. <laughs> Heaven's going to be wonderful. But i got to put up with the people I go to work with every day. Now, praise God. I work every day with you guys, so it's pretty easy. <laughs> you know, I've got great employees, Dell. You know, we get along great, so I don't have much to complain about. I don't understand what you guys a lot of times at the workplace talk about all the things that you go through with the way people treat you because all the people I deal with, the majority of the time, are really great. But I know we do have problems in the workplace and God is 
with you. And we have to make sure that we love the brothers, love the ones of the body of Christ. Eternal life is not earned by loving believers. Loving believers is a result of eternal life. Okay? I don't love you so I can be saved. I love you because I am saved. It says, He who does not love his brother abides in death. Now, this isn't a real shouting message because it, I mean, it's some pretty hard sayings here. If you do wrong, you're not saved. If you don't love your brother, you're not of God. And now he's saying, if you don't love your brother, you abide in death. And I have to ask myself sometimes, honestly examine my hearts, how often do I abide in death because of my reaction to what someone else does or says about me or the church or someone else. Because in that moment, if there is not the love for the brethren, we are walking in death. The sign of Christ's disciples... Listen to this. It's not based on denominational affiliation. It's not based on their view of the end time. It's not based on how regularly they attend service. It is simply based on do you love one another? You can go to church every Friday. Go to life group. Go to three or four life groups a week if you want to. Sing on the worship team, preach, welcome, work with the kids, do anything you want. But if you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're walking in death. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. By this all men will know you're not my disciples, if you don't love one another. So this whole thing, John just keeps going back and hitting it over and over and over again. You have to love one another. Verse 15, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. I meant John can't get much plainer than this. If you hate your brother, you're a murderer. I found a great quote. I want to give it to you. This statement serves as a stern warning for anyone at any time who finds hatred in his heart. For those in the community of faith, it should be an occasion for soul searching and careful examination to see whether you are in faith or not.
I'll just have to tell you, sometimes, because of what goes on in here, I guess I'm guilty of murder. You know, Jesus took the commandments from actions to attitudes. He said, you have been told that thou shalt not kill. Matthew five twenty one to 22. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fires of hell. We have to be very careful that we don't let our anger linger. Because Jesus says, if we are angry, we have already broken the commandment. Bring it back to the illustration we all deal with every day. How many of you have a car? How many of you drive on the roads in Kuwait? How many of you sometimes get angry as you're driving on the roads in Kuwait? Be careful. Ask God, please forgive me because we don't want to be a murderer. A murder by act or by thought can keep us from abiding in eternal life. The one who is governed by a spirit of hate does not possess eternal life. Again, this is in the present perfect tense in the Greek, and it is a lifestyle of hatred, not a one-time, somebody cuts you off and you get mad and wave the wrong way. You know what I'm talking about, and we do it from time to time sometimes. But it's not talking about that one-time act. It's talking about a lifestyle of hatred, a lifestyle of anger. Have you ever known anybody that's just angry? You know, it's just every time you see them, it's, they're just angry. Forgiveness is re- available to everyone who repents, including those who murder. So what we need to understand is if I fall into sin, if I fall into anger, if I fall into hatred, there is forgiveness if I will confess it and repent of that activity and change the way I live. Verse 17. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, he does not love, or the love of God does not abide in him. Verse 16 says, By this we know because we lay down our life for, for us, and we should lay down our lives for the brethren. Jesus gave us an example of love in action, and we should love in action One of the things, the example in verse 17, is physical help. We see someone in need. If we have the ability to help them, we need to help them. 
a true Christian will always come to meet the physical and spiritual needs of another Christian when he is able to do so. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to give everything that you have and you can't take care of yourself and your family to help someone else. But it means that we have to be generous. As a true Christian, when we see a brother or a sister in need, we are to do our very best to help them. C.S. Lewis said, It is easier to be enthusiastic about humanity with a capital H than it is to love individual men and women, especially those who are uninteresting, exasperating, depraved, and otherwise unattractive. Yes, we can love the world. But what about the guy that just drives you nuts at work? It's not as easy. Verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth. If you took all of the repeats out of the book of 1 John, it'd only be about maybe one chapter because he keeps going over this. So here's three verses that all say basically the same thing. Don't just talk it, do it. Don't just be a hearer, be a doer. We're not just to walk, but we are to practice love. Actions Speak louder than words. It's not enough just to say, I love you. It needs to be demonstrated. The world is crying for love today, and they're looking for men and women of the body of Christ who genuinely love them regardless of their situation in life. Outreach is based on love. I was listening to a podcast a couple of days ago of a young guy that he's a street preacher and he was kind of puffed up in pride almost because he gets spit on and people knock his Bible out of his hand and all of this kind of stuff. And it's because he goes to places and gets in people's faces and just tells them how bad they are and everything. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm saying there probably is a better way to reach people with love than with hatred. And by listening to him talking, it was a badge of honor for him to go into these situations then he knew because he always has his camera people with him to take pictures and video of him getting spit on and all of these kinds of things so that on his blog and his website uh, he's getting a lot of support and a lot of um, uh, how do I say people 
admiring him because he's taking a stand for Jesus and he's being persecuted. I have problems with that type of activity. Yes, we do need to go preach to people, and yes, they will reject us, but we don't do it expecting, okay, I'm going to go to this place, and I know if I preach here, this is the reaction I'm going to get, and it's going to get me good video footage. Don't just talk about it, do it. One of the distinguishing marks of a child of God is love. And it's a love that originates with God, and it is displayed in genuine action toward another person. Verse 19, And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. We can be assured that God is with us. You can know that you know in your heart because you see that you have love for people that you normally wouldn't love, that that assures you that God is in your life. And verse 20 is probably the hinge of this whole section. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. Because, see, after reading those first four, five, ten verses that we just read, as I was studying through this, I got really discouraged. Because I think of my life, I think of everything I do, say, my actions, and I read here and all of these things, you're not saved, you're a murderer, you're not going, you know, you don't have eternal life, and da-da-da-da-da, and all of a sudden... I start thinking, whoa, are you even saved? And my heart started condemning me. But then the rest of the scripture says, oh, that's okay. God is greater than our hearts. See, when your heart starts condemning you, think about what God has done. Think about there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus is greater than our hearts. We are of the truth and we can be forgiven. I don't think there is any sin that is unforgivable. You know, Scripture talks about the unpardonable sin, but it never mentions what it is. But I think genuine believers, regardless of what we fall into, can be forgiven when we repent. I've seen people on their deathbed give their hearts to Jesus. A few days later, they're gone. I heard a story about a man just hours before he died. He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the other man said, today you will be with me in paradise. Anybody, y'all ever read that story? <laughs> 
if you don't know what I'm talking about, it was the thief on the cross talking to Jesus. Okay. Verse 21, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Now I can say this is the state that I am in more than I'm, my heart's condemning me. I have a clean conscience. I can sleep at night. I'm not worried about, oh, are they going to come get me tomorrow? Because I'm not doing anything that is way wacky out of control. If you have no known unconfessed sins, you've got confidence you're with God. And if you do realize you have something, then just repent and God will forgive you. Verse 22, And whatever we ask we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing to Him. The person in fellowship with the Lord can ask God for things with boldness and can expect a positive answer. But he gives us some conditions here. He says, you can ask and you will receive because you keep my commandments and you do the things that are pleasing in his sight. The flip side of that is Psalm 66, 18. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened to me. We can expect answered prayer when we're obeying God and doing things that please Him. But too many times we don't have answered prayer because we're wanting it for our own selfish desire sometimes. Or we're not doing what God has told us to do. So what I always do is when I pray and I don't get an answer, then I have to search my heart. God, am I walking in obedience to you? And then sometimes when his answer is no, I don't like it. I want it to be what I asked for. And then I think back of our oldest son, three or four years old, I don't remember. We were with a missionary in Mexico, Don and Connie Vickery. And Don had a gallon jar of jalapeno peppers on the table. And every meal, he pulled one of those peppers out and he ate it as his vegetable. And John desperately wanted one. Or Jacob desperately wanted one. Thank you. And no, Jacob, you don't want it. You really, son, you really don't want it. I want it. I want it. So he, he wouldn't take no for an answer. So I gave him one. <laughs> and he bit into it and sucked all the juice out of the inside and screamed, and screamed, and screamed. But he learned a valuable lesson. Sometimes dad does know best. 
And sometimes I've been just like Jacob, and God says no, and I push, and I push, and I push, and I push, and I push. And he says, okay, son, you want to learn a lesson? Here, have it. And then you scream, and you scream, and you scream, and you learn a valuable lesson. God knows best. Amen. He loves me too much to hurt me. He's too wise to make a mistake, and he's too powerful to fail. That's our God. Too wise to make a mistake, too powerful to fail, and he loves me too much to hurt me. Verse 23, and this is his commandment, that you should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. John singles out two separate commandments here. First, believe on the name of Jesus. And second, love one another. On the first one, believe on the name of Jesus. Hebrews eleven sixteen. without faith it's impossible to please God. Faith is key to our Christianity. Love one another. Matthew 22, 37 to 39 Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he repeats that again in John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus says, This is my commandment. Love one another. And then the last scripture, 1 John three twenty four. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he gives. He who keeps his commandments abides in him. The key or the way to know if you are abiding in Jesus is are you obedient to the book? Are you obedient to His commands? No one can claim that they are of God and disobey what He tells them. Christians have the assurance that the Holy Spirit enables them to live a life of obedience to God. The Holy Spirit abides within us And the Holy Spirit leads us and guides us to the truth and to what we need to do and what is right. And we can have confidence in God that if we are obeying Him, He will be with us and we will abide in Him. In conclusion, give you some good news. The Christian life is an adventure. Jesus says he came to give us life and to give us life in abundance. Jesus will take any person who acknowledges him as Savior and can use them to shake the world. If he can take a farm boy from South Louisiana that doesn't know how to speak English too well, He can use anybody. 
Amen. Look at who he used as apostles. Fishermen, tax collectors, zealots. One place they were called ignorant and unlearned men. But they've come among us and they've turned the world upside down. Let me ask you just a few application questions. Something to think about. Do you demonstrate love for other believers through practical deeds of kindness and generosity? Here's a hard one. Are you guilty of hatred or bitterness against another believer? Are you prepared to suffer persecution for your faith? Are you willing to sacrifice your goods to help other believers? And then the last one. If you had to gauge your spiritual status by your love for other people, where would you come up? on the scale between unbeliever and righteous. God's command is for each one of us to love one another, especially believers in the household of faith. We are commanded to love our brothers and our sisters. But it even goes further, we are commanded to love our enemies. So love for us as believers is not an option. It is a command. So would you stand with me as I pray for you? And I just want to pray for you as I pray for myself that God will help me every day to walk in His love. First for my family, for the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ and then for the world in general. Father, we come to you and we thank you for this time and we ask for your blessings. Father, we thank you for touching your people today. Father, we ask that you would help each one of us to walk in the love of the Father. That we would love the unlovely, Father, even beyond that, that we would sacrificially love the brothers and the sisters in the body of Christ. Father, we've read some hard words here today that talks about our love and our attitudes and our actions toward other believers that shows the world whether we are your sons and daughters or not. Father, we want to show forth to the world and we want them to know by our love for one another that truly we are your disciples and we are not of this world so father help us in jesus name to walk worthy of the calling and to walk in your love in his name